1: everyone this is clint with the western hunting up podcast if you are listening to this and not watching it um this episode you may want to consider uh just having it on the background maybe on youtube uh there's a little bit of visual if not most of you almost all of you listen instead of um watch on youtube uh, it's just fine there's a couple little visuals but if you're familiar with scoring deer then you'll be able to follow along no problem uh, but you may want to to watch for some of the uh, visuals on that youtube channel or go on over to my instagram at western hunting hub and i will uh, post pictures of the or a video of the the racks that we're talking about but this is a great episode with Jay scott from j scott outdoors uh i have a any deer tag or a mule deer tag, uh, in my pocket right now, which starts in just over a week. And so in back of my mind, I'm thinking I'd like to find me a nice deer, just a nice mature mule deer. And some of those, those field judging things I've had in the past where, uh, it's, it's been a struggle, um, in Western or Eastern Colorado. I've had that, that tag there that, has potential for 200 inches, and it's it's kind of tough sometimes, and it's really hard not to pull the trigger on a just a great buck. So we uh, dive into some field judging te- techniques for mule deer, and I really feel like we get in some good depth, some really good techniques, some good tips, and uh, um, I, I just a great episode, really really great episode. I I really enjoyed the conversation and learned a lot. Um, but before we get to that real quick, uh, believe it or not, I, I missed something really big in a previous episode. Uh, there was a um, episode on our elk hunt in Colorado and the two people that were along on the the trip, my dad and Danny, uh, they gave me crap for missing a very important detail and story uh, that happened on that elk hunt. So funny thing is that. I'll just tell you the story. We are hiking out of that, that first little spot that we were going to. Um, It was a bit of a hike in and we were hiking out. We stopped. This is kind of in the morning. um, It is in the morning. We had stopped for some coffee, sat down some brush and uh, actually had heard a elk bugle and we're going to go play with him. And uh, he was on private and realized that he is not coming over. It's a long ways away. You could see him over across a a drainage. So sat down, had our coffee, a little breakfast, just took our time, chit chatting, got up and started hiking down the trail. And and I heard dad kind of messing and saw a mess with his ear. And he's like, ah, yeah, I got something in my ears, flew in there and whatever else. And, And he took a second and messed around with it. And like, okay, I got it. Kept hiking and not, but a minute later, Here, dad let out a little bit of a squeal annoyance shaking his head all over the place and and he's like god it's in there clint come over here and get this thing out of here and he's had something in his ear and i go over and i peek in his ear and i see legs sticking out of his ear not like in the top portions of your ear but in the ear canal there is legs sticking out of there and i knew it was a spider like oh my gosh dad lay down just a second all right i tried digging my finger and like he can't grab his legs and i feel like i'm gonna rip him off or something it's like lay down real. take your pack off lay down i'm gonna flush this thing out biggest mistake i did right now was not bust out my phone because this would have been something to see uh i but i'll give you the best visual i can so I, he's laying down and I see those, if you've ever seen a spider in a little hole, he's got his little legs, his front legs sticking out and the the next ones. You can see little bits of those. And he's laying there, got that thing in there. I just take the smallest shot of water and a spider with the legs and the body and the legs, the size of a quarter comes crawling out of dad's ear. <laughs> And we all kind of just freak out, like, "Oh my gosh!" There was a giant spider in there, crawling around in his ear. Uh, he come out of there, and and we we taught him a lesson with a with a vibram soul. But he uh, obviously was not in there long, but he had he had just made his way, crawled into dad's ear, the quickest little spot. Uh, pretty funny pretty just how in the world did that happen kind of thing and it's something uh danny my dad and i will will remember for the rest of our lives so just a funny little little addition to our elk hunt story also before we get to this uh just a couple little shout outs uh howl.org has got a lot of different things going on got a great episode coming up uh where we're going to be working on our um why on some things and i'll explain more later on um and then also uh, this episode is all about, uh, the mule deer judging and, um, and it's a little bit of Arizona pops up. So no better place to go get Arizona content than, um, hunt AZ. So go check out hunt AZ. Ryan Smith is a buddy of mine does a great job over there. Uh, great dude does a lot of, a lot of things for, uh, veterans and people and, and, uh, new hunters and, 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 uh, from what I've learned from him getting to see, uh, what he does. Great dude. And, uh, runs a page that uh is pretty active so uh, that's a great place to, to to see a lot of Arizona content but from here on out this is an episode with Jay Scott and Jay Scott Outdoors uh definitely a winner and we'll do another one with him in the future we talked about doing one on elk field judging but we've missed that season so we're gonna move on and do that another time so happy November to you all and hope uh hope you can find that that deer that you enjoy All right. We are joined today by Jay Scott from Jay Scott Outdoors. Thanks for taking your time this morning. It's November. Uh, hard to pin pe- people down in November, but uh, you were able to jump on right away. So thank you so much for for being available and wanting to, to chat mule deer with me this morning.
2: You bet. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, excited to be here. And um, yeah, it's November. It's a month we all look forward to and I uh, get to watch those deer rut around and you know I'm fortunate down here in the southwest um, we also do mule deer down in Mexico and our deer don't rut down there till January so um, kind of the best of both worlds you get to kind of chase the rut a little bit do the same thing with turkeys a little bit down there in Mexico with the Gould's turkeys as well so um, yeah look forward to chatting with you today for sure.
1: Yeah that's the bummer up here is is even our neighboring state Nebraska is it's the exact same hunting season as South Dakota pretty much for two weeks in November. So you got to pick and choose. And, and even going over to Colorado, it's the same kind of Wyoming, Montana. Yeah. Yeah, We need, there's, there's too many hunts to do and not enough time to do it in. And every once in a while, I want to chase a whitetail as well. So it's tough to narrow down those, those hunting options, but I haven't made it down your way yet. I've had a couple hunts planned and just, life happens and decide it's not the best thing to do but someday I'll get down there and hunt Arizona and, and absolutely uh, yeah I, I don't know if New Mexico or Mexico's on the list that'd be cool but uh that's a that's another another game but um if you wouldn't mind uh introduce yourself I know Jay Scott outdoors you've got podcast outfitting um and and folks like yourself always have hands in multiple things um yeah just what what do you all have going on?
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm Jay Scott of uh, Jay Scott Outdoors. Uh, I've got a pot hunting and fishing podcast. I started back in 2015, and you know, hard to believe it's you know pushing almost 10 years now. And um, had a successful podcast and uh, run a, a outfitting business uh, uh, in Arizona. I've been I was a, a guide for uh, mainly elk and and bighorn sheep here in in Arizona for. Uh, about 20 years. And, and then uh, in 17, I transitioned to a hunt manager at the Ot 6 Ranch, uh, a mule deer and, and uh, elk ranch in Colorado, um, 50,000 acre ranch, the Ot 6, a uh, beautiful place. I was there for five years. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I've bounced around some of the best ranches all over the West, uh, chasing elk and mule deer and, you know, following my passions. I run an outfitting business uh in mexico this will be my 28th season doing uh coos deer uh mule deer and and gould's turkey down in sonora and chihuahua mexico so uh this january's i can't believe it but it's uh 28 seasons <clears throat> starting this january and um so we're really looking forward to that and yeah i just uh you know have uh, social media pages on my instagram page j scott outdoors um just try and help people uh be better at at hunting and fishing and try and provide um you know a place where people can learn and and people can share and comment without uh you know, worrying about, uh, saying something that, uh, you know, someone might, someone that's more experienced might think is a stupid question. I, I try and, uh, you know, be an educational platform, try and inform people and, and just help people, uh, you know, become better at at what they do. So, um, that's what, that's what I try and do on a daily basis. I also have a real estate, um, my real job, uh, I have a real estate uh, business. Um, I buy and sell real estate. Uh, I've been doing that since 1997. Uh, I'm based primarily here out of uh, Arizona. I live in Paradise Valley, Arizona, and um Buy and sell real estate—that's what I call my real job. But uh, stay pretty busy, travel around quite a bit. My wife and I are always on the move, and um, it's nice with my podcast and and with what I do with my outfitting business. I can pretty much be anywhere um, where I've got you know Wi-Fi and and my phone um, and conduct business. So that's a that's a short synopsis there of, of what I get to do. But um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to our discussion this morning.
1: Yeah the the real estate piece that's new to me I didn't know um that's that was the real job we, yeah that's that's my primary
2: have... source of income and um yeah. been doing it a long time it, it's really I turned 50 last uh, February and you know it's I, I wake up every day and can't believe I'm 50 but I also can't believe I've been in real estate since 1997 and sure. um but it's it's uh, been a a great thing for me, um, because it's allowed me a lot of freedom and it's allowed me to do a lot of the things that I like to
1: do. And, and, uh, so yeah. Awesome. So Jay I had the idea of doing a, a podcast who probably was subliminal through seeing maybe some of your posts. Cause I was looking back, Oh, the dates on this were before I had emailed you. So they must've been, as I was scrolling, just that idea must've hit me, uh, on, on just some field judging for mule deer and, Um, I know you've taken, uh, quite a few beautiful specimens (laughs) in in the, in the elk world. I, I saw some of your, your two over 400 inch, well over 400 inch bulls. Holy smokes. Those are impressive. Um, that, that 406, I believe the one that's just got that eight points. He's got everything. He's got the huge whale tails. He's got the little devil point. I saw at least one on there and just huge tines and, and to find a bull like that is, that's just gorgeous and I know there must be an Arizona bull maybe but
2: yeah um most of the big bulls are from Arizona you know we're real blessed out here in Arizona for a long time our game and fish really limited the tags and and the quality of elk and it's still really good it's just hard um it's not as good as it was I would say you know 20 years ago um 15 20 years ago um, but it's still really good and you know we've been blessed with a state that really wants to manage for you know older age class animals and, 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 you know, with the mule deer, with the elk, um, you know, our coos antelope, um, you know, it's been a real trophy rich state in, in for older age class animals. And so been fortunate to be kind of right here in the, in the hub of, of, you know, the epicenter of, of big bulls and big mule deer and, 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 you know, big trophy animals. So, um, that's, that's been fun for sure.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I've got a mule deer tag in my pocket and so that was kind of another thing that struck the um excitement to to figure out uh, some of these field judging things and and I've never really shot a a stud stud mule deer. I've topped out at that 161. Um and, and South Dakota is not known for for huge huge deer to find something big. You got to look for it. They're here. Um primarily on the on private like a lot of places, but uh to find a big beautiful mule deer um it takes some work uh, and had some of those opportunities in some places where i know they hold some of those bigger deer uh but once you get in that 160 to 180 some of, there's some things there that you can get fooled really easily or in that 180 to 200 you can get really uh confused and you can walk up and have ground shrinkage or growage or whatever things uh, they aren't what they seem. It's, it's um, unless you got the trained eye. So, um, I want to just figure out some of these field judging tactics. And, and I know we're talking a lot about inches right now, and a lot of folks don't care about inches, but it's also just a way to talk about it. And that's, that's what my thought process is. It's just a way to talk about it, to say, that's a, that's a big deer that I'm looking for. And, uh, I want to reference people back to your Instagram page to some of these things we'll talk about because you've got really good graphics on there, um, to, to show some of these exact things. But, uh, yeah, I know
2: one thing I want to add there, uh, Clint, you know, yeah. we've, we've got, um, you know, states all over the West that have mule deer and, and there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, they didn't never score anything and and that's perfectly fine and what I try and tell people is listen you know there's some states in the west no matter whether you're hunting whitetail coos deer mule deer elk there's some of those times when maybe you wait 20-25 years to draw some of these premium tags or let's say you save up for five six seven years and, and you buy a tag on a private piece of property and you know you want to try and maximize um your opportunity and and you know the the old you know just if it looks good shoot it and it sometimes when you've really sacrificed when you've really waited a long period of time um you want to be able to go into the field kind of armed with you know an eye or at least some data points to try and um you know utilize or take advantage of the opportunity. And so um, I get in a conversation quite a bit um, with guys on my Instagram saying, just shoot it. Don't worry about inches. And I totally understand that. Um, but where I come from, I try and give guys, like I said, info and data points to try and make a good decision. Cause the last thing you want is, you know, someone applying for one of these tags and drawing and it's taken them, you know, 18, 20 years and, um, they get out on the field and they're done on the first day because they didn't take their time. Um, they didn't know what they were looking for. So, um, I try and always preface, everything i say in regards to field judging as i do it because i want to be accurate um i do it because i want to uh in no way downgrade the animal if anything it's 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 the opposite it's it's trying to see the quality and characteristics um of a certain animal and why that animal is bigger better more mature uh different than than the others and quite honestly you know we have to as hunters have to have some sort of benchmark system Um, we don't have to but it's important if we're talking you know deer whether it be age class or whether it be size that we kind of all have a general idea and so you know Boone and Crockett, SCI, Pope and Young, the different measuring systems you know I think it's important to be able to historically categorize these bucks and and you know there's there's bucks that 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 need to be recognized for you know the amazing animals that they are so um
1: just wanted to kick that in there well said well said very much so uh, what to, just to start off with a nice easy fun light question what's the what characteristics does your dream mule deer have You know, I like those
2: bucks that are real boxy and square, um, you know, as wide as they are tall and big, deep forks. Obviously, I think everybody likes trash, um, you know, extra points coming off. Um, But, you know, to me, there's nothing like a big, boxy, big eye guard, you know, big square mule deer frame. When they turn and look at you, they're just outside their ears and, you know, they're 17, 18, 19 tall and, and, and just a big boxy buck um i like bucks personally that have a lot of mass um you know that are that are heavy and and you know they carry their mass throughout the whole configuration so that's kind of what i look for when you know a buck turns and looks at you at a long distance even without your binos you can tell it's a big boxy buck that's that's to me kind of what what i dream about when when i think a big mule deer
1: oh that's a that's a great answer i i I think a lot of people would say i want a wide one and i I like i mean i'm gonna ask about that later for sure 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 um but you know width or its height or the mass or something like that so i like i think that's what draws us western hunters to mule deer is the is that just big frame that that beautiful frame and uh um you get you get certain characteristics in whitetail that are very attractive, but uh, um... I mean, even like big whitetails, I mean, just
2: a heavy framed big whitetail that's high and tall, wide. I mean, um, I think we all can could see pictures, you know, we could flash them across the screen and be like, yep, 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 that's what we're looking for. Yep um you know width is always one of those things we can talk about that later but width is always one of those things with mule deer you know out out west a lot of guys are you know wanting that 30 inch wide mule deer and and such but the the, the interesting thing is spread is the least um when you're talking percentage of score it's only 12 percent of, of of a mule deer score so um you know for years width has always been the thing that's talked about with mule deer but the reality is it's the least out of the four four scoring percentages um or category excuse me it's the least at at 12 percent of total score so um you know we we can get into you know point length main beams mass and then and then yeah. spread uh but
1: yeah big and boxy is what what i like that's awesome so and like myself going into this hunt i just burn three points on this i'm a resident so that changes this non-residence but uh burn three points and in south dakota a three-point unit is pretty good one uh we we don't have we have our our trophy trophy ones but even those are probably similar class i think some of our bigger deer have come out of this unit uh from just word of mouth what i've heard But, uh, again, I'm probably just looking for a mature deer. And I think that's a common phrase among most folks is just looking for something mature. And when, and when you have a mature deer on the ground, I I got one in Colorado last year, just going up to that body of a mule deer and seeing, holy smokes, this is a horse. (laughs) Just, uh, just seeing the, I remember getting like Thirty pounds of meat off of the deer without even touching the quarters and it's like just a lot of meat on these things and so i'm what i want to ask is just uh before we talk inches and things what are some of those those couple of things the first things you're looking at when trying to pick out a mature deer
2: so i think you look at the mass um, you know mass should jump out at you either with your naked eye or with your binos you want to see a buck that's that's heavy typically m- mature deer are heavy deer uh, heavier if you see light pencilly racked you know not a lot of mass normally that's uh, indicative of a, a deer that's a young deer so you want to look for the mass you know heavy at the base carrying the mass throughout that's usually a sign and then you know, a lot of times the bigger deer will be a heavier uh, or a, excuse me, a darker antlered like heavy horn buck. Um, that That's what you want to look for. But, you know, you, you take those ears and depending on where you're at, you know, it can be anywhere from, you know, 18 to 20 to, you know, 20 to 22 inches on the tip to tip of the ears. You want to have those bucks that are out to their ears and then and then tall so a mature or uh immature buck a lot of times will be kind of a, a skinny uh pencily kind of thin horned buck and they'll be inside of their ears when they start getting outside of their ears and they start getting nice and tall you know like I said that 17 17 inch g2 to 20 to inch g2 that's where you're starting to get a mature buck you also for for maturity if you're looking at aging you want to get those um you know the, 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 the pot belly, look for a pot belly, look for a suede back, look for um, kind of a sunk in hips, big shoulders, um, you know, similar to a white tail, you want to have a blocky chested um, pot bellied. You know, kind of as those mature mule, as those mule deer get older, they get a swayed back, just like a horse. I mean, you see a, a young horse, and they don't have much sway in their back. As they, as those mule deer get up in that, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine year old range, um, as they get older they get a bigger chest, they get a suede back, they get a pot belly, they get, you know, a real gray face. Um, You know, they get a blocky head. That's what you want to look for when, when you're looking for maturity. When, when you see a little skinny face that almost looks like a doe um, and, you know, you're trying to look at it and you're looking at the the mule deer's rack and you look at its face you can tell if it's young you know the distance between the nose the eyes you know the blocky
1: nose you know you can tell if they're young and difference between say a white tail and a mule deer that face length is there is there some things to consider there when jumping to a different species
2: well yeah i mean i think you're you know the the mule deer are going to have a longer uh from the tip of their nose say to their eye socket or to the burr of the antler Uh, mule deer in general are just uh, a lot more lanky a lot longer um you know uh they're going to probably stand taller now you're also talking to a guy that i I'm down here in the Southwest where we only have coos deer. So, you know, right. I've only shot one, uh, Eastern whitetail in my life and I've been to Kansas once. So my, my experience level with whitetails, which is, you know, the, probably the number one game animal in the United States is very, very limited. Um, but mule deer are going to be a lot more long and lanky compared to, you know,
1: your blocky, um, whitetails there in the Midwest. Yeah. Is, is, is the when you see that roman nose uh is that is that an indicator of anything or is that a genetic yeah. thing
2: yeah, no, I mean, I think you get those big blocky noses, big blocky faces, and, you know, it's one of those things, you have a young deer and a mature deer, and the more that you see next to each other, the more you can kind of start to d- differentiate, you know, a mature deer versus a young deer, uh, no different than a whitetail, um, but yeah, you get those big ears, you know, on the Arizona Strip up here in northern Arizona, we we have some deer that are, you know, 26 um ear to ear to ear 25 26 inches tip to tip where you know in other parts of Arizona you might have a desert deer that the tip to tip they're only 22 so every place that you go you got to kind of watch your anatomical characteristics because they can change and you don't want to go into a hunt with you know using 22 as your tip to tip Ear ear width and you're up on the Arizona strip where a big deer is going to be you know pushing 26 inches tip to tip um you can really underestimate and and mis misjudge deer based on that but um a roman nose is a characteristic of a mature deer both in whitetail and in a mule deer um you know a lot of times the more mature deer will have scarred ears they'll have you know clips in their ears um And, you know, a lot of times at the bases, um, at their, their burrs where, where the antler comes out of the head, you know, you're going to have, you know, a lot bigger around, you're going to have little points and and little kickers and stuff, the heavier um, and more mature those bucks get. Because as bucks mature, they get to a point where you know, they, they maximize their antlers and then they start actually sliding and regressing and going down. And it seems like then they start palmating out, getting more mass, getting more little, um, kickers and stuff around their burrs. And so when you're looking for maturity, um, you know, you definitely want to watch those, those body characteristics and anatomical features, but you want to look for mass, um, and, and, um, you know, coming right out of the head big bases usually indicate a matured year
1: okay i I was just trying to look it up there's a i learned a new term the other day and i i gotta say it a dozen times before i remember i'll have to dig into it but it's those little all the burrs and things around the base and the little extra things that don't score those all had a name and i can't remember what that was i'll have to look that up um i mean
2: like kicker points or double no, points no, or it, stickers. It yeah. actually has a
1: yeah. It had a name. Um, and I th- I I wonder if that was the National Deer Association that they just did a little video on it. And I thought that was the coolest thing. I think I saved it in my Instagram. I'm gonna find that. But oh. it it just had that other little name. Like oh, I had no idea that's yeah, what those were called. I'll love find to, it and I'll share it. it. Yeah, send it to me. Um, so I, I'm sure you book quite a few hunters that are this is their first mule deer hunt or it's, it's a bucket list thing. I'm going to go look, get a mule deer there. Like you said, most likely, um, have, have hunted whitetails nonstop because that's what most of the country is for big game. Uh, and, and so you get those whitetail hunters in what's your, what's your elevator speech to those guys to, um, Let's wait for a mature one because the difference between a one seventy whitetail that's a little bit more con- tight versus a uh eight seventy mule deer, which is a little taller, longer, and I'm I'm sure whitetail hunters, and I've I've been with them where they want to get a little trigger happy, Um but but trying to get the the. Well, uh, it-
2: It depends where we're hunting, you know, and and the quality of bucks that we have. Um, I just try and tell anyone that I'm hunting with, whether we're elk hunting or deer hunting or or what, let's really analyze, let's try and take our time. You know, we use optics mounted on a tripod, you know binoculars on a tripod spotting scopes on a tripod and you know I try and tell people nothing's going to happen fast um we're going to analyze we're we're going to we're going to err on the side of 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 trying to make sure that we've you know really been diligent and looked at the buck really hard before we make a decision because we've all uh done things and and made rash decisions where you you know you jump uh you jump into action and then realize whatever you know, your excitement level was that the buck isn't what you thought it was. So anytime, you know, and I give this advice to people that come and hunt with me, I give it to, you know, young hunters, I give it to other guides. I give it to guys that guide for me is try and take your time, try and analyze, try and calm yourself yourself you know try and really look for weaknesses um you know look for strengths but a lot of times I'm looking at a rack trying to figure out okay is this everything we think it is um you know is he missing anything are there any broken points you know it, it, you know is he missing a fork um because those things can you know you get up there and it's a big bodied deer and you shot it you know it was, you know, going to go up over a hill and you shot it and you get up there and it's a big three by four or something. You don't want to have those situations where, um, you know, you've made a quick decision and and usually quick decisions don't work out well. So I tell people like, you know, if you're not a hundred percent sure, don't shoot. Um, If you're not a hundred percent sure, let them go. We can try and get back on them. Um, I would rather let a deer go then make a quick decision and and get up and have something not be what the hunter wanted. Um, so, you know, I'm always preaching to my guides that work for me, um, you know, try and spend as much time analyzing the deer, looking at it from every angle, you know, trying to really interpret in your brain what you're looking at and you know a lot of times it's great to have you know uh, multiple people looking at a deer Um, you know if we have time and the deer's out at a distance and I can you know if I if I'm just you know on this deer and i think it's really special but i really want to make sure maybe i'll call someone over and say hey come take a look at this buck or i let him go this morning and we're going to go out come with me just you tell me if you think he's you know what we should shoot Um, a lot of times with my hunting partners we'll do that we'll find a big deer whether it be a coos or a mule deer and then we you know relocate the deer and just try and make a good decision
1: awesome uh, I had another thought about our mature picking on a mature one. I, I take some new hunters out frequently. And the other day I got just as excited cause we're doe hunting. We get just as excited shooting a old, just grandma of a doe. I, I got so excited. I, I went up to it and saw the, um, in the Black Hills area there, it's almost like a subspecies. It's not, but they're, they're so much smaller in the Black Hills, of South Dakota, than out in the prairie and like their antlers don't get big 140 inch deer in the white tail on the hills is a monster that's a really good deer uh and one in the prairie is that's a good deer um but man that those teeth were worn out and we got up to it and the body was thick (laughs) just this wide wide body her face was long and it was just one of those cool things that my hunter was kind of feeding off of the excitement. I was just as excited about getting a big doe as a big buck for some reason, just like, yeah, we tricked her and, and we know she's been hunted year and year after year and, and, uh, uh, evaded many hunters. So it was an exciting thing to see a, a big mature doe even.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that's what we strive for as as hunters. I think the more mature you get as a hunter, the more you want to be able to just let the young stuff live and, you know, try and harvest the the absolute most mature animals that we can so that the young deer um, can, you know, elk, deer, sheep, whatever, so that they can continue to, to, to have offspring and, and mate and, and create more animals out there. So, um, you know, I think the more, you know, when you first start hunting, I think you just want to get an animal and that's great too. But I think the more you hunt, the more you want to hunt for those older does, those older bucks, those more mature animals, because, you know, the more mature animal that you harvest, the more chance that they're kind of on the end cycle of 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 their breeding and that they've done their job to you know create animals for for us to enjoy and for us to eat and um so you know i encourage everyone out there to try and get where you're harvesting as mature of animal as you possibly can yeah
0: whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com.
3: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: So let's say uh, we're in an area with 140 to 180-inch deer. It's not a big deer area, but it's got that potential for that 180, uh, which always seems like a benchmark. 180 is a benchmark, 200 is a benchmark, that 30-inch wide is a benchmark. Um, What is there a distance from those animals uh, that you want to get to in order to make it a solid decision? And the reason why I say 140 to 180 versus like at 180 to 200 is when you see a giant deer, there's just something in our brain that triggers, that's the deer. that just, you just can tell. Jumps out there's, at you. There's something big about that and about the mass and the, and the boxy frame. But um, is there a distance that you really want to get to before, um, making a solid decision or, or what's the transfer
2: that? I I think the closer you can get, the better. Um, I do think sometimes when you get too close to them, say inside a hundred yards, I've had it really fool me where I'm used to looking at these deer at, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred yards. And then all of a sudden they get close. And I mean, I've even had big, big deer that I get, you know, 30, 40 yards from. And it seems like when they get up close, they actually don't look as big. Kind of to answer your question in a way is I kind of like to look at these deer at, you know, four, five, six, seven hundred yards, where I can be on either my 12s or my 15s on a spot on a tripod really look at them and then put my spotting scope on them but I think it comes down to like the more deer you look at the better your eye gets at kind of differentiating what you're looking at so um if I had to choose yeah I mean would I love to be you know two three hundred yards away with my real high powered optics and really be able to look at them sure but that's not Always going to happen, you know. So, any you know, that six, seven, eight hundred yards, uh, with my spotting scope, I can usually kind of categorize those deer. And you, you know, you're talking 140 to 180 inch deer. I kind of, you know, anything like under 170, I kind of just say, you know, it's 150 class, 160 class, 170 class, 180 class. And then from 180 up, then I become more like it's like a 185, it's like a 190, it's like a 195. So, kind of anything under 180, I just kind of throw it into a, you know, 160 class, 170 class, etc. Um, And then once they get over 180, you know, 190, 200, over 200, that's when I really start kind of analyzing. Um, So... People that hunt with me, they they're like, "Well, you're not even scoring that deer." I'm like, "Well." I'm not spending my time scoring that deer because I'm looking for something that's you know 190, 200 plus. So I'm just gonna say we saw a nice deer, you know 160 class deer. Let's keep looking. Um, I know that doesn't help people when they're trying to score deer from 140, 150, 160, 170. It kind of just goes to show that the deer that we're looking at out here in the West until they get around 180 inches. I just kind of say. You know, it's a deer under 180. Well, how big? Well, it's a 165-ish. It's just, just, just a buck. Um, whereas, you know, you would be looking at whitetails, and you might have, you know, if you're in a great whitetail state, you might not even really care or like really analyze a deer until they get to 160. You, you know, they're they everybody has a different benchmark. I mean, the, my buddies that guide up on the Arizona Strip. I mean they don't even really get into it until it's a 200 or better um you know or wow. you know what i'm saying yeah. so it, it's kind of like yeah. where you're from and what you're used to looking at um you know but I, I kind of have a chart for like 190 inch deer and what you want to look for. And and we can go over that and, and, and compare. And it's kind of like, okay, for 190, this is what you want. And then anything over that, you can start adding on top of that. So 190 is kind of like my mark of, of like where I really start getting analytical and, and trying to break a deer down.
1: Well, that's the perfect segue. I was going to go into that. We're in a one eighty to two hundred inch area. um Let's break that down. Except one ninety, focusing on that. What what are you looking for for that that good buck?
2: So I have a chart here, and if anybody wants to send me a message, I can kind of send them the notes that I have. But for a one ninety buck, um you need G ones, which is your first point at about two and three quarter inches. A G two that's seventeen inches. A G three that's ten, and a G four that's that's ten inches. That's for point length, that's generally what you're looking at um, for 190-inch buck, and you're going to have basically 20 inches of mass per side. You get four circumference measurements, and per those four, you figure around five inches, so around 20 inches per side. Um, before we really get into that, I, I want to break down. Um, so when you score a mule deer, In my opinion, the two most, it's not only my opinion, but it's actually a statistical fact. The two most important things for scoring a mule deer are point length and main beam. Point length actually makes up 44% of a mule deer score and the main beam makes up 26%. The mass is 18 and the spread is only 12%. You know, we talked earlier about people, you know, the mule deer is kind of the iconic animal of the Western U S and, and people always talk about spread, but inside spread credit. So we're not talking about outside. If he's got cheaters, everyone talks about the outside spread The inside from the tip, from the inside of the main beam to the inside of the main beam only makes up 12% uh, of your total score. Those inside spread, um, you know, uh, of a big deer, 190 inches or better, ironically is a lot of times only like 20 21 22 inches where people you know they talk 30 32 33 that's outside um and and granted you can have spread of a mule deer be you know 25 26 27 even 30 inches but a lot of these big boxy bucks are like right inside their ears they're that 21 22 inches inside um but point length so your forks your forks are, are super important. And when I'm judging a mule deer with 44% of the, of your total score being point length, I want to make sure that all of the points are as long as possible. And I use the, the, the deer ear, the mule deer's ear from the tip to basically the, the the corner part of the bottom part of the ear is, you know, depending on geographic region is eight to eight and a quarter. So that the, the mule deer's ear is a great thing to be able to take that ear and measure it against those forks. So look at the look at the deer's ear from the tip to the corner, eight and a quarter, eight to eight and a quarter. You have to have those forks, so your G two, your G three, your G four. Those forks have to be at least as long, if not longer, than the deer's ear, or else you don't have a hundred and eighty inch deer in most cases. So huh. you've got you've got deer that maybe don't have eye guards that can create a problem too. Um, but the front forks of a mule deer, so. Points points of a deer are the number, of 44% of score. So you want to have big front forks and then your G2, G3 split, obviously you want big, but the front forks are the, the beam and the G4 is the most important part of the 44%. Got it. You yeah. want to have big forks. Um, and so to have a 190 inch deer, um, with point length, what I look for is G1s that are two and three quarters long, G2s that are 17, G3 that's 10, and G4 that's 10. And 10-inch and 10 forks means that you're able to put that deer's ear in that fork and they're still, you know, an inch or two on top of the ear. So when the deer's moving its head around, you start looking at their ear and go, can I put that ear in that fork and still have more distance there, and if you do, that's that's what really indicates a big deer. You know, you get crabby front forks. I need a big aid. Yep, you get forks in the front that are crabby. That can be a problem. You get forks in the back that are crabby. That can be a problem. You want to have those forks be um bigger and deeper than a than the mule deer's ear so i
1: mean this is not a big big deer at all it's just a nice nice shed yep and so he's missing some depth right there correct for sure
2: so i'm gonna say that those forks are probably seven inches if i had to guess you know six and a half seven inches (laughs) you want to you want to be able to match a mule deer's ear up and make those um ears you want those forks deeper than the ears
1: yeah seven and a quarter is that yeah it well actually because the g2 would be there to so, there so i mean that one's right at eight inches or so
2: okay so the deer's
1: ear when you, if you had that
2: on on a on a mounted, um, you know, like on a shoulder mount, you would be able to take the ear and be able to go, can I fit that ear in that distance? My guess would be the ear would be just a little bit longer than that fork.
1: Right. Okay. So, and on this deer, I mean, his, his, uh, G fours here are a lot better than his, his G threes are you are you trying to find is is any one of those well so look at your g2 over here put your
2: hand on the g2 so people know what the g2 is so it comes from um i'm pointing but you can't see it comes from the base of the antler up to the top okay you want that on a 190 inch deer you want that to be at least 17 inches okay yeah, we're looking at thirteen. Okay, but but <laughs> just and nice then shed. and then if that is seventeen, then you have your G uh, three that forks off of that. Okay, you want to have that at least over eight inches. We're talking hundred and eighty inch gear over eight inches, and then why I say the front forks are most important is because it also encompasses the main beam. So point out at the tip of the main beam right there, out at the tip. So the length of your main beam, main beams make up 26%. It's the second most important characteristic of a mule deer score. So if you have stubby main beams, that also is probably going to mean your G4s are going to be stubby. If you have a main beam that extended out, say, like out by the end of your ruler where your finger is right now, let's say that those main beams extended out another seven, eight inches. Most of the time, that G four is going to proportionately match out. Oh, does, does that make sense?
1: Yep, yep.
2: So that's why sure. those those front forks are 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 very important. If you see stubby front forks. That typically means you have short main beams, which is 26, the second most important aspect of your score. So when you have a stubby-looking main beam, that should throw off a red flag that potentially your G4s are going to be small also. When you have a big, long, wrapping main beam that comes way around in the front or goes way out... A lot of times those G4s will proportionately match the length of that main beam, which is adding inches and adding length. So, you know, the the back forks and the front forks, the point length, that's number one. Then you have your main beams. With main beams, you want them to go out, away from the head, and then start wrapping around and coming around in the front, just like a whitetail. If, if a whitetail just comes out like this, the beams aren't as long, but if they go wide, then they start wrapping around in the front and then they come close together. That's a lot more cir- um, circle, if you will, and a lot longer distance. Um, but point length and main beam, you're talking 44% and 26%. And then you get four circumference measurements and that's if you want to show the people, it's between the the burr and the eye guard. That's the first circumference. The second circumference is between the eye guard and where the uh, G two uh, main beam split. The next circumference measurement is at the base of the G two right there, and then and then between the G three and the or excuse me G two and the G four, and mm-hmm. and that makes up eighteen percent of your. Um, scoring percentage so as we go from 44% to 26% of the main beams then 18 is mass and then 12 is your inside spread
1: so I think he answered my question on the main beams I was going to ask next is that's such a hard thing to measure because you've got such a curvy thing going on but you're really using these tines to figure the the the
2: yeah if you take ratio your of that eight to... to eight and a quarter ear and so hold hold that hold that rack up kind of by your head where I can kind of see it if as if it was on your head. Yep, hold it up. Okay. What you do is you take the eight to eight and a quarter ear and you go okay it's sticking out right here. So you measure it from the base up by where like the G2 and then try and okay. figure another ear and another ear. So if you can get three ears, so three times eight, you have a 24 inch main beam. So try and kind of put three ear links into a main beam. 24 inches is about where you want to be on, let's say 180 to, you know, 180 class or better is a 24. So, pretty easily you can kind of superimpose that eight inch ear into those beams to get, you know, around that 24, 25 inch main beam length. Hmm.
1: That's fascinating. (laughs) It's interesting to break the numbers down on that, the, to, to see the percentages of that 44% main or the points and 26 main beam and um, mass being so, I mean important but still not as important as that main beam
2: yeah exactly and and then the most important thing and tip I can give people is get as many antlers in your hand as you can and measure them and you will get to where your eye can spot you know 17 inch g2s it can spot you know, nine plus inch forks. It can spot a 25 inch main beam. If you score quite a few antlers, you know, go to a taxidermist shop and say, can I just sit and just put, run a tape? Can I look at it? You know, and I I mean, still to this day, I'll write down on a piece of paper. I'll look at a deer's antler just like that. And I'll try and guess the, the score and then I'll go and measure it. And there's nothing that, that takes the place of looking writing down the measurement and then actually measuring it, seeing where you might've missed it and do it on, you know, 20, 30, 40 antlers, go to another shop and say, Hey, can I measure some of your antlers? I just want to, you know, sharpen my eye on, um, deal judging.
1: Yeah. So I'm thinking for my hunt based on the area that I know what it's going to hold is that helps me know I really want about two and a half ears, ear lengths um would be a deer i'm gonna shoot because that's gonna get me um a buck just a little smaller than this this would be great i would love to shoot a buck on this hunt about this size that's a and then look for something that is got just those deep forks i'm looking at one of my last colorado bucks it's just he doesn't have that he does not score
2: worth the darn that
1: uh um But it was a cool hunt, and a darn coyote ran the 180, 90, 200 incher off. (laughs) So he was the one hanging out. So he just, I mean, that's that is. Yeah. So it's a really good example.
2: It, it, well, it's, it's a, it's a great deer. You shot it, and, and, and you should be tickled with it. And it is what it is. But when, when you're, just looking at a deer trying to compare it to another deer that's all we're doing we're not saying one animal is better than the other what we're saying is we're just looking at the antlers saying which antlers are better this is a great example to look at when you look at the forks here you see that the back forks the g2 and the g3 okay you see that those forks are only a couple of inches if we're Mm -hmm. trying to say what makes this deer what it is compared to 180 inch deer just go ahead and add you know nine inch forks on all of these points and that's what you're starting to look for and you know you've got your main beams here um one thing on main beam link you can either use this rack or the shed if i had a antler here with me i would do it but When you're looking from the side, you want as much space between those points. So right there between the G4 and the G2, do you see that distance right there? Put your finger right there on the main beam between the G. No, put it on the main beam. Touch the main beam. You want that distance between the G2 where it goes up and the G4. You want as much distance as possible, as well as coming out of the head and like on that shed you want the distance from the burr well that's a great example right there look at the distance between the g4 and the g2 on this shed it's actually a longer distance between those two and Mm -hmm. if you were to get 180 inch or 90 or 200 inch do you see between the g2 and the g4 on the beam it would be another you know four or five inches longer yeah So spacing between points is a good indication of a longer main beam. The shorter and more compact and tight that the G4 is to the G2, that means a shorter main beam. So as as a deer gets a bigger main beam, there's going to be a bigger distance between the eye guard and the G2 than the G2 and the G4. And then from the G4 out to the tip of the beam. See how this deer on the shed, see how much longer the G the beam is from the G4 out. Do you see how it's another two and a half, three inches long?
1: Yep. Yep. So
2: that's that's and then if you let's say that's actually a great um thing to look at right there. If you had let's say a neck size up deer bigger than the shed you would notice that everything is proportionately a little bit longer and now the main beam is going to tip out another two three inches that distance between the g4 and the tip of the beam is going to be longer the distance between the g4 and the g2 on the beam is going to be another three or four inches longer and everything just starts you know growing outward
1: yeah huh um just for sake of conversation the next room i got i got a little better one that that I think okay. would be worth the conversation. Yeah, and it's probably going to throw a little change in the conversation as well because it's not. It's got some interesting character to it, and so these were some sheds I found. Jeez, first off, I found the biggest side first, and then. <laughs> and uh yeah this side where he's got um weenie little guys back here but yet he's got this whole giant thing there
2: yeah he's got a full inline with a with a fork a couple things i want to point out with that deer turn it a little bit where it's more um where i can see it more head-on okay see where you're holding that deer between the burr and the eye guard yep do you see how much distance there is from the burr to the where the eye guard starts yeah that's a big difference between those other two deer in other words there's a lot more space between that burr and that eye guard than those other two deer
1: yeah my four kay? fingers
2: are barely yes there. and then
1: proportionately
2: go between the eye guard and where the g2 splits do you see how that proportionally there's a lot more distance there mm-hmm and then as you wrap around the beam look at the distance between the g2 and the g4 you can fit your whole hand in there yeah now as you get out in front of the g4 on on the this this other typical side notice how you could almost get like two or three hand wraps around which is a lot more space you see that yeah so that's kind of a good indication of a deer you know I would bet that those that deer's beams are you know in that 24 inch range. I would bet those eye guards are pushing you know three inches um you know his G2 splits um are the forks are not deep but you notice over on his left side like that back where you were on that right side on that G2. Um, that g2 sh- normally would match the length of the g3 so what i would say right there is that g2 is a little weak but he's got a great g3 over on this right side that you're looking at he has a great g4 i would bet that that g4 yeah. is probably you know nine ten inches maybe uh, more
1: it's over 12
2: okay so that yeah. so if the if the deer ear was here you would be able to kind of superimpose that ear and you'd be like holy smokes there's like three and a half inches more than the deer's ear you go over to this more non-typical side he's got a hole in line so his g4 out here is not as long as the g4 on the other side but he's got a hole in line with a fork okay and, and that alone is probably 12 inches at least. Yep, yep. And then his fork is four inches. So you're looking at 16 inches of extra point. So that's, a, that's another thing that I want to point out with point length being 44% of your score, the more points you can get on a deer's antler, the better. So you've got your typical four by four you know, antler configuration, but you start adding inlines like this buck has, where it's got an inline and a fork. You know, you're looking at 12, 13 inches of inline plus the fork is another, you know, three inches. You're looking at 15, 16 inches of extra point here on this deer. Yeah. Makes sense?
1: Yeah. And, uh, it's been years since I measured this buck and I didn't write it on the back of the skull there, but I, am I want to say it was lower one nineties. I, I um, was going to say
2: 190 to my eye, you know, it looks like 190 inch gear. Now hold that shed up, not the, the other antlers, but hold the shed up kind of like that. Um, yeah. On the other side. side. Now look at the difference Look at the difference of the mass between those two deer. I would estimate that deer, that the, the full skull, you know, I would bet that that deer is probably a six, seven-year-old deer. I would bet that that shed is probably a three, four-year-old shed. Look at the mass difference. Look mm-hmm. at the distance between the point difference. Look how much longer the main beam is. That's just a function of age and maturity yeah. look at how around the burrs and bases there's all those um you know little points and and it gets nubby and knobby that yeah. that's an indication of age where look at the shed and look how smooth it is around the shed yeah. you, you you see that the shed antler is doesn't have those knots and those gnarls. it's it's more of a smooth when you start getting those little bumps that's a sign of maturity
1: hmm. yeah and we're going to find out what those are called again <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when, I, when I looked that up. And when I found these, it, my buddy was like, no way that's all that scores. But when when you look at it, like, I think this this is the first side I found. And I saw, God, look at that beam. And it took me another week to find the other side. But the, the beam on this is so much longer on this side than it is over here. This is his weak side. But he's it just didn't have the, the beam length over here. And then he just didn't have the time length to match that side over there. So he was on the verge of like, if he shared some characteristics on both sides to be a giant, an absolute giant. Keep holding that
2: up. And I want to talk about a couple anatomical characteristics and how you can use them. We've talked about ears, you know, being that eight to eight and a quarter. Ear width, ear, when, a, when a deer is kind of alert and looking at you, generally you can use that 22 inches to 24 inches across the west. And that's a pretty good indication of width. So when those deer ears are sticking out tip to tip, you're 22 to 24. But another um, thing that I like to use is the top of a deer's back to the bottom of their belly. Depending on maturity, now a, a mature year in our area that say, you know, 170, 180 class is going to have like a 19 inch from the top of back to bottom of belly, that distance when you're looking at them standing broadside, where that becomes important to use is here on your G2s. So trying to judge the length of your G2s. You start trying to, and and this is an abnormally short G2 for a right. buck of this caliber, but let's say right. that it came up and matched its G3. You want that 17 inch number. So you take a deer, he turns and looks at you. He's standing broadside. You can measure from the top of their back to the bottom of their belly. And can you put that distance right there in that G2 to, to, to measure? I'm going to say if he matched there, you're probably looking at what, 16 and a half right there, so almost 17? It Where my thumb is is 17. So okay. he, uh, he would have matched and, there. And He's so on that 180, and 180, 190 plus inch deer, you want those 17 inch twos. So you take the top of their back to the bottom of their belly and you say, can I put that distance and and measure their length? Can I put that distance and and?" and have it be their g2s if it's shorter than that then you probably are looking at you know 15 16 inch g2s if you're like i can put the distance from the top of the back to the bottom of the belly in there um that that puts you looking at you know 17 18 inch g2s and that's where you want to be
1: yeah i mean he's missing five inches right here here. five inches there and Yeah, and and
2: take uh, the the G3 on the other side where he's really crabby on this side. His fork, yes, he has an inline, but look at his G3 there. It's probably only, you know, two, two and a half inches. Yeah. yeah. For a buck of that caliber, normally he put all his energy in that inline. But normally that same buck, if he didn't have that inline, he would have, you know, probably you know eight inches nine inches of a g3 there but he his configuration put all of his energy into that into that inline
1: if you were looking for a higher scoring buck would you what would you rather have would you rather have a giant inline or or a deep fork well
2: i love extra points i love abnormal points i love anything that so i love this buck you have in your hand so you know I would prefer this buck over just a standard four by four. I have a bunch of those, anything Mm. that's cool like this, that has an inline with a, with a fork. I mean, that's just, that's just killer. I I love a deer like this. I love a deer like this that has big knobby eye guards, you know, and you can see that they've got a little curl to them. Um, That to me is a sign of maturity, big bases, big, you know, gnarly, heavy eye guards with, you know, bladed that's, that's a sign of a mature deer.
1: Yeah. Well, cool. Um, and as we got a buck here with a little bit of mass, is there besides just looking at a deer and say, he's got some mass to him. Is there a measurement you're using to,
2: you know, a lot of guys use the eye socket, um, you know, two to two and a half inches, you know, the eye socket when you're measuring it, but it's for me, it's not a, it's just something I look at but I try and envision just how you had your hands wrapped around. Can I wrap my hands around it? You know, is it, is it something that easily I could wrap around or would, you know, would I have a hard time getting my hands around the bases? That's kind of the, and I score enough antler that it's kind of over time I've been able to recognize a big based heavy deer. Um, You know, You, we want those deer to have, you know, 20 inches of mass. So you get four circumference measurements per side, five inch wraps, you know, five inches is kind of what we shoot for. Um, you know, I would think that that deer that you had in your hands has, you know, 19 to 20 inch would be my guess. Um, circumference, uh, 19 per side, maybe 20 per side. And then where, where we are, we want that and bigger.
1: Mm Mm-hmm yeah okay um and back to bucks with a little character is and if we're looking for hitting one of those benchmarks score wise do you is it how beneficial are the extras the the little kickers and the and and those things is is, because you can still get a i want to grow score yeah go ahead i want to reference a picture you just posted not well it might be a few weeks old now, but you had a littler buck there with extras. And then you had a mature buck. I can't remember if that one was had extras as well, but we can get distract, And if we, we see a buck and we don't, we, we love him and he's sweet and cool looking, we're going to be happy with him. But, um, if he's still a little immature yet, but he's, he's carrying some of that, that cool growth on him. uh, how beneficial is some of that versus just a big frame? Well,
2: it's hard to put a percentage on it, but extras can add up quick. I mean, you start getting, you know, two inches here, two inches here, three inch kicker here. All of a sudden you're, you know, you're eight, nine, 10, 12 inches of extra on your frame. So, you know, you have 170 inch frame deer and have 20 inches of extra. They're at 190 inches. Point. Remember, point length is the number one percentage wise most important thing for a high scoring mule deer. So the more points you can have, the better, the more extras you can have, the better, the more inlines, the more kickers, the more extras, the bigger the deer. Um, so you know, you've got these big giant frame deer that are typical and no extras, then you have big giant frames and you start throwing extras. I mean, some of our deer up on the Arizona Strip, I mean, they have 30, 40, 50, 60 inches of extra points. And you know, you start getting a you know, 200 inch mainframe with 40 inches of extra, you're 240-inch deer. So obviously the more points that you have per side whether they're inline points, whether they're typical points or extras add to the score. So the more extra points, the better. Now I have the fortune of being able to manage properties where we're hunting private property, where we can let deer, using the example that you were using, young deer that have kickers, but we can tell he's a young deer. We try and let those deer go and grow to the next year and all of a sudden we see them they've added more kickers the kickers have gotten longer they've gotten heavier so you know guys that are hunting public land it's a little bit different because you know they just allot so many tags and you just have your tag and you go hunt but when you have the fortune to be able to manage private properties where you can be like this buck's got like four inches four different kickers four extra points he only looks like a you know three four year old deer let's let him go another year and all of a sudden he blows up and he's got an inline he's got a kicker he's got a kicker off a kicker he's you know that's where you know it gets exciting being a being a property manager managing these properties trying to grow these animals and letting them reach their absolute full and maximum potential you know with extra points on elk on coos deer on mule deer I don't have the experience on the whitetail, but they'll actually move kickers from one side. I've seen deer have kickers off G twos, G threes next year. They move the kickers to the other side. This side becomes a straight typical. I've seen them, you know, have a drop time on one side. And then the next year, the drop time moves to the other side. So, Mm -hmm. you, you know, That's the exciting thing about being able to watch a lot of deer is watching these deer with extra points, how those extra points morph over a couple of seasons. Sometimes they'll be exactly the same. Sometimes all of a sudden that one inline now will have a kicker and then it'll have a little dropper. And it, you know, it's fun to watch these deer that are are non-typical deer grow year after year and see what the non-typical points do because most of the time you get a non-typical deer with extra points on each side every year that goes by it starts just getting crazier and crazier and Hmm. you know i I love a non-typical deer
1: yeah yeah who doesn't (laughs) and um is there a feature on a on a set of antlers that is tricky uh one that that uh can be deceiving when you're when you're looking at it
2: Absolutely. I have a saying with with sheep as well, but elk, deer, um, all the species of deer, mass hides length. You get a deer that's really heavy, a lot of times sure. the, the forks will look short. And whether you're talking elk or whether you're talking deer, mule deer, you get a real heavy buck, mass hides length. So you get blocky, heavy, you know, throughout the whole antlers, not even the scorable porn point of the antlers. I mean even on the actual points heavy hides linked. Mass hides linked. Same yeah. way with a with a with a bighorn sheep when it's real heavy, sometimes they're a lot longer than you think because there's a lot of mass there and it makes you think they're shorter and stubbier but they're actually because they have so much mass it's just hiding that length. So you got to be careful with that and guys are probably listening going, geez if I saw something that heavy, I wouldn't worry about it." But when you when you have the fortune to have these properties where you can these great tags across the West where you can really analyze deer, mass hides length. So don't be deceived if you've got a super heavy deer and you're like, that buck is so heavy. Do not um be. Surprised if all of a sudden you get that deer on the ground and his forks are actually longer than what you think because mass hides length every time. With elk, I mean we get big bulls and they're you know super heavy and we're like man, just points don't look that long. Well, of course we know that point length is the most important thing, so we're always looking at points. Well, yeah, he's so heavy his points look shorter
1: because he's got so much mass. That that's a that's a good point. I I just had a two sets of mule deer antlers one was 214 and the other one was 220 or 219 and the 219 had 10 inch droppers on both sides and 36 inches on the outside so his inside because he had extras and junk and and they were only inches apart and the other one was narrow 22 inches wide and just solid mass just crazy mass to him Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't think that those two scored so similarly but that mass was just outstanding and he was just a typical four point look and that other one was so wide and and those would be two bucks standing side by side that you'd have a really hard time shooting that one with mass over the one with drop time I'd I'd probably be shooting the drop time one he scored (laughs) five inches bigger but just the 10 inch drop times on both sides and the the width is just drawing you right to it but that mass was deceiving very deceiving i i thought it was a 200 inch deer and ended up being 210 or 212 14 yeah, yeah. 214 i
2: had I, I... mass hides length every time just remember yes. mass hides length
1: that's a hard thing to feel judge for me and as... and the
2: opposite of that is if it's a skinny if you're like ooh, that deer doesn't look like it has much mass it deceivingly looks longer because mm-hmm. it's skinny right so you got to watch both sides you got to watch your proportionate mass if it's a skinny rack, those, those forks look bigger when it's heavier, the forks look smaller, you, you know? So yeah. you got to watch mass on both sides. Um, from a perception standpoint, mass can really mess you up. Um, but remember when you're, when you're trying to judge a deer, if you're going for as high a score as you can, point length is 44%. Main beam is 26%. Those are the first two things that you should look at and say, how are his forks? power is beams do they go do they go out of his head do they go wide and do they come around and wrap around or do they tip up okay i want long main beams if they just come out and barely even come you know come around you're like oh he's got short main beams you know that's 26 percent of my score i gotta watch out to you know be careful with this deer he's
1: got short main beams oh huh. yeah and uh, i got two two more questions probably shorter ones for you. So we wrap up, but um, is there a view? Like if you got a deer in his bed and he's not giving you much, is there a certain view that you would rather have over the other? If you only had got one I want head on, I want head head
2: on. on. I want looking straight across perpendicular or even a little bit down, um, straight head on. I want to be able to look at the ear tip to ear tip. I want to be able to be able to look at the box. The most important, uh, same thing with the bighorn sheep. I want that head-on look. I can judge an animal the best if I get a head-on look. And then, obviously, if they turn a little bit like that so I can really see their forks, um, that's important. Whereas, like on an elk, I want the side view so I can really see the length of all the points. On an elk, I want a side view. A mule deer, I want head-on so i can kind of judge the boxy frame then if they'll turn for me a little bit and i get to see the forks you know the front forks and 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 the bottom forks um that's that's what i want to see that that makes a lot of sense
1: how uh how does this uh translate to deer and velvet uh and, and is that just just to add a more deceiving factor because it you you seem like you've got the mass there but it's not
2: Right. right. And so it can velvet can be very deceiving. You have to be able to look at a lot of velvet deer, look at velvet deer that shed their, their, you know, through trail cams and stuff, be able to get a sense of how much mass that that adds. And remember mass hides length. So a lot of times when they're in velvet, you know, you're, you're looking at a velvet deer and you can't really decide on his forks because he's got, you know, fuzzy all, you know, fuzz. Around it And you can't really tell the forks as soon as they rub, like our deer in Mexico, we just, our deer just rub. like you're like, what? Yeah. Our deer don't rub till about October 15th between October 15th wow. and October 30th is when our mule deer rub in Mexico. And so all of our trail camera pictures that we're just getting in are that transition between velvet and, and when they're shedding and velvet, you know, adds quite a bit of circumference to the antler. I want to see them uh rubbed and um that to see a, a buck rubbed that's gonna give me the best look that i can get
1: yeah yeah i'm i'm an odd guy out i think i have no interest in velvet deer <laughs> i know there's a lot of people that they that love the idea of velvet deer <laughs> A dark horned mule deer is the most attractive antler Yeah, they're to they're me. pretty sweet. There's something that I, I want to see that full growth. I want to see the shine. I want to see the color and you, you got so much characteristics. So I'm not a, I've never shot a velvet anything. Um, I like uh,
2: them all. I like velvet and hard, hard antler. Yeah. So um, I, I kind of like them all.
1: Yeah. I, I need to maybe, that'll maybe be something I, I attack down the road is, is trying to get something a little earlier but it's hard to pull away from the, the elk woods during that time. I want to be elk elk hunting while those, those mule deer in this country anyway, are, are in velvet and the season's open. Um, well, Jay, I appreciate this very much. Uh, this is a great episode for, for some of those folks who, who might be drawing some of those really good tags or, um, is, I, I know some of my beginner listen, hunter listeners, it may not, might not be for them, but, uh, this was a good mix. I, I don't get a lot of these, these higher end thinking of, of looking at a deer in this way. A lot of, a lot of folks I'm sure are just wanting to go fill a tag and it's great. And that's sure. a, a good absolutely. thing, but um, I appreciate it very much. I learned, learned a lot and now I'm really excited. I mean, it's November's my favorite month. It's my birthday month. It's my November rut month. It's uh, it's the, the rutcation is about to start. Huh? Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> And, and work slows down for me and my wife so that's the best month in the in the in during the year for that to happen so it's time to burn some vacation time and and uh to get going so uh, if you wouldn't mind again if, if people are wanting to either look into the hunts you guys have um what's the website and yep. the instagram social media what's where, so where do they find that
2: pretty much J Scott outdoors um on instagram J Scott outdoors uh com website uh, my podcast is j scott outdoors western hunting and fishing podcast it's on itunes um, but yeah come find me uh facebook j scott outdoors uh instagram j scott outdoors um you can send me an email, direct message. Love to help people. Um, appreciate you having me on. Thinking of me, and um, it's always great in November to be talking mule deer. And so, look forward mm-hmm. to uh, maybe coming on again and talking some of the other animals. Um, yep. Yeah, if anybody's uh, got any questions, you just feel free to reach out. Come find me on Instagram, jscottoutdoors. Got Outdoors, and Clint. I appreciate uh, you thinking of me and having me on this morning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm thinking that elk one's got to happen, and in- in july or august this perfect next, next Sounds year great. So, all right thank you got a to the
3: land but it ain't my ground this is god's country